Mini episode 1187 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini-episode 1187. This is FDH managing partner and original dignitary Rick Morris here with fellow original dignitary Chris Galloway and my good friends, fellow FDH Lounge dignitaries Ron Glasnap and John Adams. We are celebrating the 13th anniversary of the FDH Lounge. We are going through, this is not Pantheon per se, where we're voting for the best of the best in many categories, but Pantheon adjacent, you might say. It's, it's the same type of format with a survey going out to the FDH Academy of Arts and Sciences, and we as the panel are breaking down the answers and going through and giving our analysis Go back to part one in 1184 if you want to hear the setup for this in a little bit more detail as far as the uh, the players involved here on the panel today and what we're doing. But basically, in a nutshell, what we're doing is we're looking at these topics at the intersection of the 2010s and the 2020s. We're looking back, we're looking ahead. Uh, so we're analyzing what has happened and giving you our best takes on it and giving predictions for the future. And this is for the most noteworthy stories of each decade, American news is what we are covering in this segment. American news in the 2010s and 2020s as we go through with the panel here subsequently uh, analyzing some of these things. Uh, the, the answers submitted were as follows. American news in the 2010s. Uh, voter Tim Trammell says, Fox Good, CNN liars. He may have perhaps thought I literally meant analyze the news channels, but it was about American news itself, but that's fine. Whatever direction you want to take this in, American news 2020s, go President Trump is what Tim says, so a little, little editorializing on his part, but that's fine. We're, we're all free to do I am, whatever. of course, convinced that Tim Trammell is, in fact, just an alias, and these are inputs actually from President Trump. <laughs> that's an interesting theory. I'll have to run it by him at bowling Friday night. <laughs> Uh, my good friend uh, and uh, former boss, uh, Karen Cahill, as I break kayfabe a little bit, uh, Karen says, uh, for the 2010s, continuing aftermath of 9-11 in the 2020s, this coming presidential election, which, I'll just say this quickly, you might think that's prisoner of the moment, but it's going to set the, the, the course for so much of what happens afterwards, and part of my answer uh, it, it revolves around that. By the way, free free preview here on my answer probably the most apocalyptic stuff on American news and world news that you're going to get from anybody. A lot of doom and gloom from me. But between now and then, my brother Mike Morris says, Americans in the 2010s, Americans being indignant that other countries uh, would dare to mess in our politics and presidential races. We do it all the time. Welcome to the adult table, America. Side note, uh, of course, anybody that remembers in 1996, the cover of Time magazine talking about how American operatives were propping up Boris Yeltsin in the Russian presidential election. So he's absolutely right about that. American news in the 2020s. Death of most local newspapers, while a few sources, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, become mega news sources. Death of most local TV stations. Terrestrial radio survives by going down market as 5G makes streaming audio nearly free. 
Anthony Patrone, who was with us on a couple of the earlier uh, topics today, but he had to go by this point in time. Anthony said for the 2010s, uh, the hardest part of the 2010s is the opioid epidemic. Fentanyl was a huge development and a killer for our society. He is absolutely right about that. Right about mid-decade especially, it peaked and has gotten very bad. In the 2020s, he says, I believe that the divide in our country will end. People will wise up and realize the divide is the politicians and we will have a change. I believe we will go away from the two-party system. So exactly the opposite of all the apocalyptic predictions that I have. Uh, Tom Denk, 2010's story, wage stagnation, 2020's shift in, pro, uh, in labor in pro-worker states versus anti-labor states and impact on state economies. Matt Patron, 2010's first black president. I assume he means that Obama was president seven of those years, not all eight, but okay, uh, and that was a big story. Uh, 2020s, a monumental president will be elected, woman, gay, or other. I would say socialist would be a pretty big other, and woman, gay, or socialist are all looking like strong options percentage-wise right now, uh, I would say. Nate Noy, the 2010s, the rise of Trump. 2020s is the impact of Trump, okay? Very Trump-centric answers. Uh, Tim Faust. 2010s. Every generation believes theirs is the most divisive era of politics. However, we took it to a new level over the past decade. The opposition party of the past two presidents have made it their top-slash-only agenda item to block their nemesis, and in fact, our new standard is to try and create a criminal case to impeach the one with whom we disagree. Our party leadership is so steadfast in its objective that Party A and Party B each come up with a prescribed set of positions on every issue that has no chance of reasonable debate. This means no hope of solutions to real problems we have in this country, the national debt, immigration, health care, mass shootings, the economic divide, and many others. Catastrophically, our media outlets have all fallen into the same trap. Objective news is almost impossible to find, as virtually no one with access to report the news does so without an agenda. We are all thus indoctrinated by whatever outlet we choose, and the we the people find ourselves divided as well. It goes beyond a political issue, causing rifts in our personal relationships for those who can't handle others with opposing views, and literally criminalizing many politically incorrect beliefs. 2020s. I don't see any promise of emerging from our political division, and in fact, I see it getting worse. I'm not necessarily predicting this, but it would be refreshing to have a third political party to form to exploit the increasing gap between extremes in the two parties. Steve Cervillo, the 2010s, Barack Obama's election, first black president, the 2020s, Donald Trump's re-election if it happens, and its effect in America on the poor, low and middle class citizens for job opportunities, health care, and rising cost of living. So. For those of us uh, here at the table, uh, what our answers were. Mine, the hangover of war and recessions in the, 20, in the 2000s soured the decade. Even the huge peace, relatively speaking, and prosperity of the Trump years carried with it a much more divisive vibe than even the 80s and 90s. Things don't seem to be as good as they used to be for so many people. And my answer for the 2020s, the aftermath of the next presidential election, no matter who wins, and the likelihood of a recession right afterward, possibly severe, due to our ever-worsening debt bubble and crappy fiat money, will lead to the worst political divide since the 1960s, replete with violence directed at different sides and even assassinations. So, very light on the happy, happy joy, joy compared to some of these folks, but uh, I calls them the way I sees them. So, that is mine. Uh, now, Johnny, yours is a little bit more upward-looking, forward-thinking here on the 2010s, gun violence and shoot, shoot, school shootings, social division in the 2010s, but from that, you say in the 2020s, small businesses will survive and there will be clean energy solutions. Yeah, um, sadly, uh, uh, 
again, being an educator, putting on my educator hat with the school shootings, it's really a, a kind of hit home. We, we, we saw at the beginning of the decade in, in 2010s the, the idea of there were a few, thing, a few of these shootings out there, but we really had to implement um, active shooter trainings became a thing. You had to develop a plan to, uh, and it really hit home as, you know, I used to teach preschool summer camp, and uh, we actually had to have a plan to, uh, especially after the, the, the Sandy Hook killings. Um, so, uh, kind of scary out there. Uh, and then, of course, the social, social division. Um, going forward, I, I, I you know, I, I, eternal optimist. I, I would like to see, uh, hopefully, small business will continue to thrive. And um, I think the opportunity for clean energy solutions for jobs and helping the economy uh, would be something I would like to see. Um, but that's a little, wish. Those would be positives, definitely. Yeah, that, that's really, is that a wish, or is that something you actually see coming? I think I, I think in terms of clean energy solutions, I do see it coming. That one yeah. I might see. The, yeah. the small business, I think Amazon and Walmart might have something to say about your small business. I uh, think from my standpoint, I see uh, in the era of really people being overworked, I see a lot of people going into small businesses because their thought is going to be, if I'm working this hard, I'm just going to do it for myself. I think you might get more people who consult or work from home or rather than go to the 40-hour job and sit in the office. Uh, you see that more and more now of people who can work from home and get on their computer or get on your phone and I don't have to go sit in the office for eight hours a day and sit in rush hour for True. an hour each way and whatever else. So they're kind of... That's that might be the way of their into instead of a small business. How many restaurants have we out there seen that die within a year? Well, I, but I but I also see there's a lot of niche businesses popping up and and and, and people. Uh, but the whether it be yeah. you know, uh, and if that happens, care. it's something they're going to do out of their home. It's not out of a brick and mortar, most likely. Well, and what about when when my brother was in town over the summer and we were hanging out with him? The, the one bar that does like the board games and stuff like that. I mean, that's that's like a little niche kind of a thing there. Like, but I people think, are taking different spins on existing you know businesses and putting their own imprint on it. That's and there's more. Something. I think more um, cities are like hopefully bringing in businesses with you know brick and mortar small businesses to get uh, more things local. I see right. that happening. Now I also see. You know, there's a whole generation of, 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 of entry-level employees, I think, that are being indoctrinated into the system, and they're, they're told, well, you can work from anywhere. Well, the underlying message is you, you, we expect you to work from anywhere. And we don't have to pay you benefits. Correct. Yeah. Now, I do think, I would, I would lump consulting in. If people breaking out on their own, if they're, they're instead of working for a large corporation, I would see that. You could lump that in with like, call say, those, a small business. In but, my business, we call those freelancers. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. you are... You're working for us for the day or for the week or whatever, but we don't have to pay you 401ks and health insurance and pay your taxes. You have to do that on your own. Well, one of the things to watch for, and this is something uh, that's in line with something that Chris had said in a previous segment about government getting involved in things. In the state of California, the beginning of this year, stringent new regulations on the quote-unquote gig economy here of where, like I was reading a website where a columnist said, you're not going to see that many columns from me this year because I live in California and they have regulated that unless I'm a full-time employee, I can only do this much. And it doesn't make sense for me to become a full employee nor for them to make me one 
so you just won't be seeing as many of my columns this year. So that's the kind of thing that it would seem like inevitably government is going to have to, whether they want to or not, pull back, because you're going to have people getting pissed off at losing opportunities as a result of this. And you know, so it, they can only output so many, say, articles based on yeah. their and computer usage. Or? Actually, and there's, there, I guess, there's no reason for me to kayfabe what I'm talking about here. If anybody goes and reads John Ziegler on Mediaite, he was on it, which I always like to say the slogan of their site should be "Media Done Ite." But uh, he was saying on there that uh, he's only going to be able to do so many columns this year because they've the state. He lives in the state of California, and it's. If you're not a full-time employee, you you can, it can only be thus or thus and such. And again, they're like a limit on so many gigabytes used. Is that what you're talking? No, about? no, no. As or far like, as like the gig economy being a nickname for sort of you know people working the side gigs and stuff like that. No, so it was really designed around going after Uber and Lyft. Yes. And trying to f get freelance people and make them employees. Yes. This was the brilliant legislative uh, minds of California <laughs> thinking that they were going to. <clears throat> Get all these people now covered under these companies that were freelancing or ten being ten ninety nine mm -hmm. uh, to suddenly become and they were going to you know in essence legislate their way to making these people full time employees. Well, the answer was these companies, be it you know Huff Huffington Post or whatever, said, oh okay great well we just fired everybody. Mm -hmm. We're not going to hire any of these people. Right. You know, so that's how we're going to solve the, the problem. Want, was their goal to get a get a, a chunk of the tax base? Their goal, that's their, always the goal. That yeah. was yeah. part of it, but yeah. a part of it, too, was their goal was to, you know, again, I believe somewhat industry-specific, trying to punish an Uber and a Lyft sure. and make these drivers now your employees rather than a freelancer. And the effect spilled into other industries. Mm -hmm. Because of the way they wrote the legislation, mm -hmm. so anybody who's out there basically 1099ing and doing any amount of work over a certain threshold mm -hmm. would now have to be an employee. So the solution for these companies was: guess what? We're just not going to use any of you now. Like right. you're out. Bye. So mm -hmm. they all lost their jobs. They all lost their work. Um, see, I could see that happening if they, I could tens see. of thousands of people in California now basically just lost their livelihood. And that's because what I'm saying. There will be a backlash. No, and it happened. Yeah, it, it was and it was predicted. Yeah, like there were people saying, "This is what's going to happen. This mm -hmm. is what's going to happen." And they said, "No, no, no. Something about socialism, something or other. It'll be great." And, yeah, you know. And then guess what? Well, I could see that happening if they try to push the minimum wage up so high, it'll kill small businesses. Yeah. Well, you're getting touch screens at a lot of places. Go right. To McDonald's and the, yeah, you know, absolutely. How many jokes do you hear about the asks? Yeah. yeah. We lost the whole cashier staff because two people took the day off. Yeah. Well, and some of that, too, is um, to defend the minimum wage people. You know, I don't agree with them philosophically, but to defend that to a degree. A lot of the changes you're seeing about that stuff in places like McDonald's with like the kiosks and stuff are, it's not about the hourly wage. It's in large part about, and I'm sorry, this will be in somewhat uh, also an indictment on public education, but the quality of people available to do these jobs sure. is awful. And that's a bigger concern for these companies in terms of the employee, not having employees that can properly, literally put an order in a machine. Right. Can't give you the accurate change. Right. Um, you know, we're talking basic rudimentary abilities there is a lack within that labor segment of qualified people that are competent 
That's what's driving it, well, frankly, also, yeah. more than more than. Well, there's also people they just don't want to work. I know a few, several people like oh, yeah, John Engel, yeah. ten, eleven hour, a uh, dollar an hour jobs above minimum right now. Right. People just want, they can't find employees because people don't they, they they want to jump right to the CEO. They want to jump right to being the millionaire. Yeah. Right. Well, and I and I don't mean to you know that's not necessarily a per se indictment of public education, but it's also an indictment of society, family structure. There's a whole lot of things right. that you have a whole lot of people that there's a sort of permanent underclass being created. I you know of of what I would call the competent underclass, you know, mm-hmm. where they're just not, whether they don't want to work, they're not able to work, they're not able to, you know, do basic thing, rudimentary things that we consider to be simple tasks right. they can't be trusted with. Um, I, you know, this is an interesting topic, this whole segment, because we kind of, you haven't framed us for American news, but it's not even really that. It's it's government, it's life, it's society, Yep. Um, it's politics. This is one of the more you open call it ones. news, but yeah. it's really a whole. And you see by the answers given here yeah. that a lot of people have provided you. It's a whole lot of things. Um, you know, I I won't go back into looking really at the the two thousand tens. I mean, I, I I this is another area with the news to me. Everything really revolved around social media and um, those technologies again. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a president, a man basically elected president because of Twitter. Yeah, um, because of his his Twitter game, um, which you know it was is bizarre, but it happened. Yeah, um, you know, so there's a lot of things that affect the news in 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 that regard. I'm, you know, uh, when I look through and looking into the next decade, um, you know, again those same technologies that we've been talking about again and again and again are going to affect. Uh, where we go as a, as a society, um, I will say we talked about the big business, small business. I think you're going to see both in the mm-hmm. next decade. I think you're going to see the emergence of the the strengthening of these large, a handful of big corporations like the Amazon and Google, um, while you same time see a proliferation of small businesses. It's going to be a gap in between, though. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have a lot, you know, the, a handful of these really mega corporations controlling so much, and then a lot of little small one, two, three man operations all over the place, really, really accelerating and proliferating. Um, it's those mid-sized companies, I think, that are going to be really kind of like our overall economy as a whole. You know, the shrinking of the middle class and and whatnot. Um, Are you seeing like more? You think high end, niche, small businesses? Yeah, whether it's yeah, yeah, whether it's they're feeding the big ones, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's consultants or small, you know, little companies that suddenly get to be a midsize, and what happens? They get gobbled up by the Mm -hmm. big conglomerates. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's what the next decade is going to show: a a real gap. Uh, It's going to grow in both ways. The bigger ones are going to continue to grow and get bigger and stronger and more dominant, and the little ones are going to continue to proliferate because the technologies and the things that the big ones provide will allow for that. Yeah. I think as part of that, you know, you talk about a prediction um, for the next decade, um, we are quickly coming up on the four-day work week. It's mm-hmm. coming. Um, you see countries now toying with the idea. Um, you saw IBM last year experimented with it in Japan in terms of a four-month experiment basically through the summer in their operations in Japan where they put everybody on a four-day work week and um, they saw productivity go up about 40 percent 
So basically, they're basically paying you the same amount to work mm -hmm. less. And, and now the question that needs to come about on that is, was that an anomaly because people knew what was being done in terms of an experiment? So they tried harder, they worked harder, they know they were being watched, you know? Or is that part of the human condition as far as technology goes? You know, if you look at your work week, your 40-hour work week, and you have to get certain things done, do people work, especially with a lot of jobs now, and, and this doesn't work as much in, like, construction, because you still need to hammer so many nails. Sure. You still need to lug, you know, put down so much concrete, lay so many bricks. That's harder to do. But when you talk about office jobs, and Rick has got to get, you know, five TPS reports done in, this week in, in that 40-hour work week, does he work in that 40 hours to get those five done? Or if he's given 32, does he still get those five done? Um, and I think there's and a lot of... YouTube, the other eight. Folks. Yes. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I think IBM found that... Dark web. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. got... Our employees in 32 hours got the same amount of work done as they were getting... Oh, actually more efficient than they were um, four days than they were in five. Um, so I think that this is going to be a thing because also technology as it advances we have a shifting global thing this thing coming which is going to go beyond capitalism and socialism that we're going to have to try to redefine in the next 30 years which is what do you do with people as technology and things like robotics and other things come online how do you find work for people when there's less and less need for human labor um, and so one of the first steps I think you're going to see is a shift in at the end of this next decade toward we'll all be having three-day we weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we'll all be working Monday through Thursday. That's coming, and you and you see it already now getting into the business, um, you know, strategies, and they're looking at it. And now you have companies like I think our countries like Norway talking about it. It's coming, and and I think again that's a function of a lot of things that eventually down the road will lead to even bigger issues in terms of what do you do a hundred years from now when we don't have to work? How well, do you yeah. how do you make money? How do you live? What's the human condition? Those are bigger things for another day. Um, but 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 to be aware that that technology and those things are bringing that rapidly to our doorstep, and we're going to begin a process of sort of that evolution towards that eventuality. The other thing I want to say in about, looking at this list is there's a lot of doom and gloom on here. Um, Probably uh, about 50% of it for me alone. <laughs> we have, um, you know, we have just doom and gloom. We've got, uh, who else has got in here? I saw one, uh, Nate Noyes, well, in our next segment, has um, you know Armageddon. We have the world dying. Rick's got, everybody's yeah. going to get, I don't know, everything's terrible. Yeah. I, I would just point out this that despite everything, the human condition has never been better in the history of the world. Humans have not, are, not, are living longer now, are healthier and more wealthy uh, than they've ever been in the entire history of the planet. You know, in the last decade, we've seen more people brought out of poverty and abject poverty globally than at any other time in, in human history. Um, either as a percentage or by raw numbers of volumes of people. The reality is is we are living in the best time it's ever been to be a human being right now. And my expectation is that barring some catastrophic 
Earth event, you know, a asteroid or every volcano erupts or utter complete climate change, global collapse or global war, nuclear war or something, I think at the end of this next decade, it'll continue to be the case because the reality is human progress has been marching on, lives are getting better, people are living longer, people are getting educated. Um, these things, it's undeniable in terms of when you look at statistics. And to kind of, you know, to bring it back to Johnny's point about school violence and all the rest of that, we've had some tragedies um, that are real and that have for educators like yourself have to plan for, but the facts are also that gun violence has never been lower in this country. So we have to sort of take the realities of what you have to deal with on those black swan events that are gruesome and horrible with the overall reality that gun violence is actually down. Right. Um, and we have to sort of combine those two ideas and, and knowing that they're both true. Um, and so I think overall we're, we're doing well as a species. Do we have challenges ahead? Yep. Are there problems on the horizon? Yep, as there always have been. But I think that overall mankind is, is moving in a direction um, that leads me to have a positive outlook on the future. Well, and I can understand a lot of that. I mean, what you're saying makes sense. Having said that, you, 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 there are some caveats on there, like, you know, assuming that there's no nuclear war or any of these things that might bubble up. So there, you know, so the, the, the reality might be somewhere between there and where mine was. And, and on the spectrum of positive and negative uh, ones here, for, from, from Johnny's one, which had a lot of rainbows in it, uh, Ron's, is, <laughs> Ron's, is not as, Ron's is not as dark as mine, but Ron's is a little more sort of on my side of things here. American news in the 2010s. Politics have become I'm right, you're wrong style mudslinging with the lack of being able to compromise holding back progress. As was said in the movie, the American president, make people afraid of it and tell them who's to blame for it. That's how you win elections. Seems like that's the only thing that happens now, and it just gets worse every day. In the 2020s, journalism will be on the endangered species list, if not dead. Can an uninfluential media outlet make enough revenue to survive in the 2020s? Industry corporations and large bankrolls have too much influence on how a subject is covered and how it influences their product. In the future, they could decide what subjects are covered instead, which should scare everyone. So, to a certain extent, does that come back to what we were saying about technology? and whether it's used for totalitarian purposes or not, because it would seem like anything that's involved in restricting the flow of information is just going to make your point about that that much more severe. Yeah. And we have to, you know, since I have worked in broadcasting now 30 years, um, that's kind of where I centered my things. If you worked in education, you're worried about school shootings and whatever sure, sure. else. And if yeah. you, you know, yeah. depending on what you do. But I've seen that where you're looking at who's covering whatever you're interested in mm -hmm. and the first question is not how are they doing it it's what's their angle right where are they getting their mm -hmm. funding from mm -hmm. right gee who's the who's the uh, sponsor behind this and whatever else and unfortunately you know I, I don't really care whether you're a lefty or righty or, or whatever you are the way they're doing things now it's more of how do I blame this person and by the way, you think differently than I do, therefore you're wrong and you should be, you know, censored, locked up, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I've said, I've gotten into this argument and I hate political arguments because it's one of those, like, arguing about who's the top five uh, NBA players. You don't have a right answer. Uh -huh. There's just, they're just not there. Kobe. I wish, <laughs> I wish that the people who are spending all their time impeaching a president now, whether deserved or not, you can let 
let people fight over that. How much time are you spending to find someone to beat him in the next election? You're not. You're worried about what happened three years ago and that you lost. Yeah. Not figuring out who's the person that's going to beat them in November so you can change the things you want. Instead, it's more of blaming it and punishing. And, you know, I would sit there and go, did you pass a civics class? What happens if your president gets impeached? Well, yeah. Your vice president takes over. Right. Same guy, same party. Yeah. You know? Actually, far more conservative. Yeah. Well, and yeah. more conservative, yeah. actually, yeah. than yeah. Trump. Yeah. And by the way... And Jesus yeah. speaks to him, by the way. And by the way... Correctly. He appoints the next vice president. Yeah. Okay? Congress has to pass Which it, Congress... And then becomes another TV drama. Yeah. So that that's why the, the whole, you know, journalism oh. and, ah, and marketing yeah. and... and who are you behind in, in how you're covering these things? All the things that he uh, that were brought up about society, uh, uh, you know, as the technology goes up of where you're getting all your content, okay, who's controlling it and who's saying what? Very hard for people, anybody to make a dollar out there if you're out covering something that's bad because somebody's going to go, yeah, that doesn't benefit me. Let's figure out how to put a more positive spin well, on this. I, I want to mention something. I'm going to, I'm going to mention this within, within the prism of me for making an example here on this as far as what I've noticed about division and social media and that kind of stuff and, and how it permeates with politics. Because for, for somebody like you, Ron, that got to know me not long after college, uh, you're somebody who knows me to have very strong uh, political beliefs. You've been in fantasy football leagues where my teams have been the right-wing gun nuts, the Buchanan Brigade. I could go on and on, I'm sure. But, again, in the same breath, I have friends who are all over the spectrum. I don't tend to engage in social media arguments, and it, 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 it made me think because I don't consider myself somebody who's necessarily gotten more mature. I would say mature adjacent, perhaps, but not more mature. But here's just what it old. is. Not Chris is shaking old. his head. Yeah, exactly. Not at all. But see, Chris knew me in college, and here's the thing. Sorry to hear that. Social it's media. The same Rick. Oh God! But I'm yeah, the same, same guy. Same guy, basically. But here's I think he's still wearing the same Red Wings. <laughs> I did wear this one in college. Yes, exactly. But but here's the thing, though. Here's so he can't thing. afford a new one, is what you're saying. Here's the thing. College Ricky is the embodiment of today's social media. I was the guy who had all the brochures on the dorm room door and I and throwing so, all the all the uh, the the non-literal bombs at everybody. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, torching everything, yeah. burning every building down. He was he was there. He saw it. He saw when I was that firebrand that people are today on social media, and I learned a long time ago what these people didn't learn, which is you, you're not going to change the world. You're probably just going to piss off more people. You're also not changing anyone's minds. You're not changing anyone's minds. You're not all these things that college Ricky learned at that time. Today's adults, quote unquote, are becoming that version, and they they fail to learn that lesson. So it's like you know, I, I always say this: I haven't gotten more mature. The rest of the world has just taken twenty steps backwards, and that's where we are. That's today's society. If I'm what passes for a mature adult, God help us all. And I think that's where my pessimism in society comes from. <laughs> I'd like to make one other prediction beyond the four-day work week. Mm -hmm. um, as it relates to America, mm -hmm. America news, if you will, in the next decade. Um, I believe that based on the construct of the Supreme Court at this time and some of the decisions that have come down in the last couple of years out of the Roberts Court, I believe that you are going to see a steady assault by the Roberts Supreme Court on the role, scope, size, and power of the federal government. 
I believe that um, he has been carefully setting the table um, in some decisions, including Obamacare, which conservatives freak out about. Um, some of us who uh, look long-term realize that his decision-making on that um, was probably very important in setting up arguments in future cases that will have much greater impact on American governance than um, Obamacare. Um, he's laying traps in a lot of places and a lot of decisions. And I think now that he has um, guys like uh, Kavanaugh and, and Gorsuch, he's going to start, the court is going to start to have an assault on the uh, bureaucracy and the uh, authority of the federal government as it relates to things like the Tenth Amendment and others. I think that's where the Roberts Court is going, and I think the next decade is going to see a real shift in how that is applied to, um, and also, and, and it'll have a great impact on Congress. So I think that that's something to keep your eye open for. But in terms of my pessimism and my thought that, that conflicts are going to get much more violent in the future, acts of fa factional violence in this country, I agree with everything you're saying. In the next breath, society, much as you and I, from our point of view, don't like it, society largely because of the millennials is moving way left. And you will have a Supreme Court at variance with what the uneducated masses want them to be doing. And that is going to cause a lot of conflict. Much of what the, you're saying is going to be gravely unpopular because of, among other things, the collapse of our educational I, system. I, Sorry, John. No, I, <laughs> it is a collapse. I don't think things are... Well, go ahead. I'll no, I just... Say. I mean, that's that's I, my point. I see that... I, that, that to me, is something that's going to fuel violence and division. I don't blame him for that, but that's a factor because society's moving left at a time you're saying the courts are moving right. I think that Johnny's about to give the answer that I, that I would give you. Okay. What's I don't think answer? things are moving as left as, as fast as you think they are. Okay. I, I, I really don't. I think people, I think, I think there's a lot of fence sitters, there's a lot of people looking at it. I think there's, there's, a, there's a huge population. It's kind of like the people that go to a restaurant and they get bad service. They don't necessarily complain, but they rethink what they want. And they, they, or they may not write a letter, but they're like, they either may not go there again, or there, there's a, there's a, there's a silent minority. But they'll that, make sure to tell everybody about it. Well, I, sure, it could be, yeah, yeah. sure. But, okay. but I think, I don't think it's moving as left as you. Okay. Like, I think, I think there's a growing population of people that are being, they're, they're tired of being told how to live. I uh, think at a number of levels. Mm -hmm. I, I think you've seen this once before. The, the hippie flower child generation grew in to become the boomers who put Donald Trump in office, who put a Republican majority in office. Um, those are the same people that you're and you're talking about right now. All these millennials and these Generation Z and all the rest of it. They're so left. Yeah, no, they're not. I think, and I think to Johnny's point, to Johnny's point though, where I think American politics is shifting towards. Um, is uh, more libertarian. Okay. And, uh, of, of course, the Libertarian Party would never be able to take advantage of that out of just because yeah. they're libertarians. True. But um, I think that's where a majority of uh, the soft, that's I always call that soft, gooey center, mm -hmm. that's where they're shifting. It's the leave me alone, I'm going to want a less governance telling me what to do, but I also want maybe some certain things, I want some structure... I think I think society's becoming moving more towards the libertarian position, um, which is going to become a struggle for the Republicans and the Democrats. And I think you're seeing right now there is a shift in that two-party system that's starting 
in terms of where they're going to end, those parties are going to end up mm -hmm. in terms of who they are and who they represent. Uh, that process is only just beginning. Well, you know, change can come pretty rapidly because when you look at the extent to which, uh, you know, uh, Chris, you and I are old enough to remember early 2016 when it was a civil war and people were holding out uh, or Trump and whatever, and he has completely redefined and redefined, it just subsumed uh, the Republican Party changes greater than a lot of us would have thought possible. So it, it is possible for these things to, to happen of where, you know, a movement will... T I have a harder time seeing the Democrats make a similar move because they're an alliance of so many interest groups that, you know, they're all so kind of interwoven. I don't see them sort of changing path quite as easily. But the Republicans clearly were susceptible to this kind of a takeover happening, and it has. Well, I think what we saw out of 2016, what became evident to those of us for all these years, thought that the Republican Party, uh, that the majority membership, the base, the people, you know, the Joe Bag of Donuts, you know, we thought they were conservatives. You know, we talked about it. We were sort of the ivory tower people, if you mm -hmm. will, the intellectuals, you know. We would talk about it and, you know, where the party is and conservatism and, you know, the William F. Buckley's. But the reality is the vast majority of was we learned at 16, the, the vast majority of people who identify as Republicans weren't conservative, they were populists. Yeah. And we had mis, mislabeled them as conservatives because they supported a lot of things that aligned with the conservative um, ideologies of Reagan and um, Goldwater. And um, what we really learned, what Trump really exposed is a lot, a huge segment of the base... They're not, they're not conservative. They're populist. In some and, cases, authoritarian. And the, and the Republican Party is shifting there. Yeah. Um, the Democratic Party, you know, they're going to have to go through a process to figure out where they're going to land. Um, but you know, it, it, this is a, you know, we're not. I know everybody think everybody's always a vict, uh, you know, victim of the moment. But it's, you know, we're not in the most tumultuous period politically in American history. That would be the period that led up to the Civil War. Mm -hmm. Um, then, you know, even the 1890s were chaotic in this country politically. Um, so in some ways, really, the last 50 years of sort of sort of stale sort of calmness has been, you know, a result of the Cold War, which sort of led to a certain quiet stability in American politics. Um, you know, we're kind of going back to what we used to be, frankly, more than, than historically than what we have been for the last 50 years. So... Where it lands, I don't know. I, I don't know that you're going to see more violence, Rick. I, you know, again, looking at trends, um, we're we're a safer, less violent country than we were in the 1960s. Right. Um, you know, you wouldn't believe that if you watched the news. Um, but that's again, it's sort of this 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 myopic uh, condition that social media and 24-hour news cycle creates in people. Right. That they're convinced the sky is falling and everything is, is terrible. We just saw this with Trump's uh, taking out of uh, the, the Iranian general, okay? He well, makes a decision to target him and, and eliminate a really horrible, ugly human being. Nobody's disputing who that. Would be, who, is, who has caused all kinds of death and chaos in the Middle East. He himself, with his actions sure. that he has led and strategies that he's done, um, have caused that. Trump kills him. The next thing you know on Twitter, World War Three. We're all going into war. We're going to be at war with Iran any minute now. And it was like, relax. We're not going to be at war with Iran. 
We're not not today and not in a month. We're not going to go to war with I Iran. I hope not, but I'm still not convinced. No, it, it's it's the it's 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 this thing that happens in the echo chamber of social media now that we you have to teach people to take a take a deep breath and take a step back. The reality is, his action, as we've already we're seeing, he became Iran, which had become increasingly belligerent and causing more and more problems in the region. Not don't don't forget it wasn't only a few months ago they were launching missiles at Saudi Arabian oil fields. Yeah. They were attacking ships in this in the Gulf. Yeah. They were targeting American bases and the American embassy. They were becoming more and more violent and belligerent because they thought they could get away with it. What Trump just did was he made them that entire regime step back and go, Oh shit. We can't just do what we want. And it's also created, and we see it now out of the news reports in Iran, even more instability within their own regime. So this whole idea of like, oh my God, we're going to be at war in any second. Relax, we're not going to be at war in any second, okay? Iran is far less weak and stable than, than they want you to think they are. But by the same token, I don't think I'm wrong when I see something like that to see the fine hand of the military-industrial complex here uh, and the munitions industry, which is just dying through its puppets like John Bolton to try to make World War III happen. Actually, just the opposite, the reports out of it, where the Pentagon gave Trump options on what he could do to respond to the embassy thing, and they put in the most extreme thing they could think of, thinking he would never take it, because historically, in his first three years in office, that's not been his M.O. His M.O. has been to avoid conflict. So they put it in there. It's he like talks a, the right way they, generally, but then he does stuff like this. So, yeah, But you know. that's not true, though. He... he Obama spent eight years drone missile attacking and blowing up half the Middle East, and no one ever talked about it. Trump has done none of those things. I mean, you know that I'm we, not a we, Trump we, fan, we, but we, the reality we've, we've is... We've continued doing a lot of drone Yes, attacks. he does a lot of crazy tweets where he says, I'm going to do this and this, but he doesn't actually do them. And that's the point, is that Iran thought, he's not going to react. He always backs away from conflict, right? So what he did in this case is he did an about-face and took out, you know... They, he took out this guy, and it made Iran step back and go, now we don't know what to do. They're paralyzed because now he's unpredictable. They don't know how to handle it. So we're not going to war, but if you opened up Twitter the night of all that going down, you would have thought we were troops were literally on the march. You know, here comes the draft. We're in World War III. No, we're not. But this is what happens now with these technologies, where it creates problems because... Everybody is now suddenly an international relations major, right? Like, they've all got it figured out. Plus, they're all seeing it through the prism of domestic politics of, you know, whether you like Trump or don't like Trump. Well, that's not the equation on the global level. You know, everybody that hates Trump in this country is, you know, blames him for the airliner being down. Right. He didn't do that. Right. You know, that's the regime, okay? So it's like that's what, that's where we can't, we have to resist the temptation to interpret um, global happenings through domestic prism. Well, not only that, what you said before about prisoner of the moment, here's the thing. I mean, when this survey went out, uh, albeit a little bit belatedly on my part, because I don't think it was until the holidays uh, that I got this out to all y'all, uh, this hadn't even happened yet. So, I mean, as we started getting these things back in, so you're referring to something that at the beginning of the decade was, uh, out, you know, with the possible exception of the passing of David Stern, the first real piece of news of the 2020s, uh, was this guy getting uh, droned at the Baghdad airport? So these things can happen uh, quickly and change. You know, again, there will probably be ripple effects felt from this from years to come. They're 100% well. We don't know what they'll be. We don't, 
But here's, here's the beauty of it for our purposes. What's our next segment? World news in the 2010s and 2020s. So once again, I think we are uh, now four for four on today on executing perfect segues from where we are to where we're going. Up next is world news. I want to thank the panel for their contributions here. American news in the 2010s and 2020s.